Welcome back to your weekly edition of the Celts Are Here podcast. Declan, joined by Quinny, we're going to have young Aaron on later on in the show. He'll be joining us to chat all things Celtic. Quinny, it's been a wee while since you've been on me and you usually catch up every week. We did catch up last week after the, the, the cup final on the Monday and we had our reaction. Um, I must say though, after that game, I ended up watching the game that night back and it was a lot more comfortable um, watching it back with a cuppa in hand. Um, not too much to worry about as much as I kind of thought being at the game and whatnot. But we've played twice since then, but we've both not been on uh, since Celtic added another six points. It's 10 games to go in the league. We beat St Mern 5-1 on Sunday and recording this Thursday morning, beat Hearts last night. I imagine um, Robbie Nielsen's shiver that this morning was, you know, <laughs> uh, really the place to be um, because he was pretty upset last night, the Jambos manager. Not that, you know, we've not seen that before, Quinny. I think the, the line that he said last night was that players would have to get decapitated um, for a Celtic player to get sent off at Celtic Park. Um, just kind of starting that, I suppose maybe it's better to get the, the, the bad out of the way first. It's... It's just, you know, you, you kind of know what Robbie Nielsen's doing heading into this game on Saturday, don't you? Putting that kind of pressure on officials. And it's the same old story with him. And if you think back to the game in October that we won 4-3, he wasn't moaning about referee performances that day. No, totally. You can tell from the team that he put out last night, if you're looking at this as a week for Hearts in their season in terms of what they can do, then he's very much used the game last night as like a precursor to the weekend, you know, in his comments post-game. 100% um, as part of probably his strategy to winning at the weekend, you know, as all the rotations, you know, they've rotated as, just as much as we did, you know, um, quite surprising to a lot. No, it's see Shankland in the squad and I don't think Snodgrass was a huge surprise because when they had European football, I know he wasn't registered, but he was only playing weekends anyway, but he's very clearly set up that he's prioritising the weekend with the team selection that he put out, result aside, and the fact they went 1-0 up probably was, <laughs> almost certainly was not in the script for them either. <laughs> they did not see that coming. Um, and yeah, so I think all those comments, that's the first thing I'm thinking about already, is he's getting warmed up for, for the game at the weekend in terms of the officials, yeah, fair enough, maybe there's some of that going on, but I, I would think of it more as like um, that whole siege mentality, like in terms of the, your own dressing room, getting them all riled up. Let's see, guys, this is this is how good we need to be and this is the level we need to perform to because, you know, of X, Y, and Z, that kind of internal motivation. So, yeah, it was always going to be a, it's always going to be a, a funny kind of two-legged affair with Hearts on and off the pitch this week, wasn't it? It was, and I think that's kind of only been added to the amount of changes that we made, Quinn. I always thought going into this game that Celtic would try and mix it up due to the fact we don't, we haven't played... Um, midweek to weekend football for a wee while. Uh, you know, the, there was players going into the game last night that you knew needed game time, um, particularly the two fullbacks who we'll, we'll speak about and Anthony Ralston and Alexandro Bernabe. Um, but it was interesting. I, I was lucky enough to be in the, the post-match last night with Ange Postacoglu and see Atak Sabanovic. And uh, when I got to chat to Haxa, one of the things I'd, I'd asked him about was, you know, the, the manager spoke a lot heading into the game about having this squad um, ready to go weekend, midweek, weekend. One of the things that I really wanted to ask him was, in terms of the intensity in training, if that upped the ante, you know, having that that break in the middle of it, sorry, not having the break in the middle of it, having three games in the space of a week. And it was pretty clear in that the intensity gets even more difficult when they go Saturday to Saturday, um, which, you know, says a lot about this Ange Postacoglu team, that when they do have days... Um, in between, they're, they're really going at it and using them. Um, but it was always going to be a an interesting affair because when the, the, the draw was made for the Cup, we knew that Scotland were playing at Murrayfield on the Sunday, meaning that there wasn't too much spaces for the game. Um, the Friday was going to come far too soon because obviously we had the, the, the league fixture scheduled in for the Wednesday night and you, you don't really want a, a Monday night Cup game. We'll leave that for the, the full Cups of the world. I think they take on air. And Monday night in the cup, so it was always going to be an interesting kind of you know two legged occasion, as you say. But it set up pretty nicely for Saturday. It was a it was a tasty game last night. Um, as you say, Nielsen's kind of came out with that siege mentality stuff. Everybody's against us and whatever else. He'll want to get his crowd right behind him. Um, at Tynecastle, as he always do, it's always a a place that's, that's difficult. But again, Celtic will be aided um, by that full stand. Um, behind the goal on Saturday, the Roseburn. So, uh, yeah, 
it's going to be tasty in Saturday. I think we're in for a right good cup game, and uh, you know we could take okay. a really big step towards that hopeful third trophy this season if we can book out um, another day at Hamden because I think with, with beating Rangers in that final, guys like Haksibanovic, you know, missing that opportunity in that game, there's only going to be more hunger and desire to either right wrongs or can continue that success. You know, that they've all had that taste of Hamden now, the, the, the current squad for the guys that maybe didn't get that last season. Um, you know, they'll, they'll want to be back there. So it's set up really nicely um, for, for Saturday. We'll, we'll try and, I, f- I think, look at, you know, last night and then kind of bring in the St. Murn game because I think there's, you know, there's a good few similarities in terms of impact subs and obviously sure. going a, a goal down. Um I think in both games, Quinny, that this Celtic team, you know, as much as we speak about them playing really good football, um, sticking to their principles, they, they they show a lot of character in games. And, and and last night and Sunday, they had to do that. They you know had to come back in the face of adversity going a goal down. Sunday maybe a wee bit more difficult, you could say, you know, conceding a penalty so early on at a place that we we'd obviously lost that um, earlier in the season, but. Both games, in a way, a wee bit of a themselves. We're not kind of used to that with Celtic this season, are we? No. Um, it, you know, for, for, it's definitely been like a, a kind of cold shower for Celtic in the last two games in that sense where, you know, going the goal down does kind of change the game plan in a, in a respect that maybe gives the opposition something to defend against a bit more. It doesn't really change us, but it definitely changes um, their urgency to maybe attack any space that would come their way. They've, they've got no motivation to do that for spells. So the onus end really does become on us, does come on us to break them down. And I think to, to kind of bring both these games into something that kind of cross, crosses over between both of them, I was rather surprised to see Moy start last night. You know, obviously had a great game at the weekend, uh, two assists, played 75 minutes or so. And if you look at the kind of rotation pattern, it looked quite clear that probably O'Reilly was going to come in for this, probably at the expense of Moy. But it was actually in, to the expense of Rio, which was uh, a bit of a surprise. And Moy, again, 80 minutes on on the pitch. Again, another assist. And he was like running the show in midfield, you know, weekend and midweek, which not too many midfielders get to do. And having it been against St Mirren, who have probably been the best team outside of um, Rangers and Hearts have played this year, and Hearts, who are probably outside of Rangers, the best team have played in the league this year. Um, for him to be a key part in both those games, coming right back to back, going to go down, being the main man in midfield and actually creating goals and being effective in the final third. Um, it was actually one of the things, when I listened to the show um, with Ryan and Aaron and yourself uh, on the Thursday after we did uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, I think it was Ryan, but somebody said that they seen um, Hitate as like the Lubo of the team. And it was the only time in the show I wanted to like jump into the jump into the conversation and go, oh, and because for me, Moy is it, if anyone's the Maravchik of this team, it's Moy definitely because I think the age kind of adds into it a little bit as well. But that two-footed nature, that kind of guy when he comes in, all you need is like a Hugh Keevens clip of saying that we should have signed Snodgrass or something, you know what I mean? Instead of <laughs> Moy, and it would have been an absolute parallel. But Moy, I think, like um, has been incredible over over those games and. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. Now. I don't know if he'll come into the weekend having. Oh, he should on form. There's no two ways about it. But you know, he has given O'Reilly minutes. Rio's coming back into the team, and like we've seen over the last two games as well, crucial in both games in the last ten minutes. Uh, Tomoki Awata, you know, going box to box all over the place as well. So the midfield, like we've known how deep it and competitive it looks on paper, but now we're really seeing it on the pitch that there is like six guys. Seven guys even throw Turnbull into this as well. You know what I mean? That's all going for these same three spots. Absolutely. Um, we've got Aaron joining, so I'll bring him in to the conversation just now. Good morning, Aaron. We're, we're having a look at last night. We're just kind of bringing Sunday into that. We've just been chatting about Aaron Moy there. Quinny was saying he was quite surprised to to see him start last night, but it's been another two solid performances from him here. I've just noted down there. He's been involved in seven goals in six games and... Um, the, the manager was saying last night, you know, he knew that he had these qualities. I think all of us probably on this podcast thought when he came in, I know you said last week you maybe had your, your doubts about him. I think a lot of Celtic fans did, but he, he's kind of taken on this this new role in this team and when you're needing him to produce some magic, he's able to do it. Definitely. He's been a catalyst for the team, especially last night, I felt. He was a wee bit erratic, especially when Hearts were 1-0 up. And I felt he I mean, got him on the ball, kind of the game down. Got us playing some nice football at times, especially that pass through to Kyogo as well. No Jota, it's a lovely pass to my to Moy there. But again, to find Kyogo there, playing in that, good ball into him. So 
with a good influence, I thought, last night. Yeah, it was a tidy goal. I actually thought, being at the game, I imagine you were at Celtic Park as well last night, Aaron, that Moy might actually waited a wee bit too long, but, you know, what do I know? He's, yeah. you know, former Premier League midfielder and all that stuff. It was a perfectly timed pass. And a really, really tidy finish uh, from Kyogo, but the bit that you pick out with that second goal, I think that was what the manager said was most pleasing last night, was the quality of goals. And Jota, he's not really a player that we talk too much about his defensive qualities, but he wins the ball out, he wins the ball back out absolutely nothing last night to get that goal started. Yeah, he does. And then to hit that pass as well through to Moy, he was leaning back, he was looked like the ball was going nowhere, going out of play, and he just manages just to it's top class from him. You see his quality. He might not have got the assist for it, but he he made that goal. It's because of him. We got that winner. We got that second goal. Sorry, Kyogo get on the score sheet for his twentieth goal of the league. Yeah, we will talk about Kyogo. Um, the manager's pretty frustrated. Not about Kyogo himself, but the guys around him and um, not using him enough. Um, Quinny, but as, as I say there, being involved in seven goals, he's only scored two of them, five assists. But you know when. You're in situations, you know, Aaron talks about the game being a wee bit erratic last night, which I think is very fair to say after we went the goal down. St Murn made it difficult for us on Sunday. As much as, you know, us that are paying TV subscriptions and £32 to go and watch the game, want to watch football, if a team go 1-0 up, they're obviously going to have a game plan and try and stick to it. But, you know, it just comes up with, with some magic again. I know we've dubbed them the, the maverick in this, but just when you need somebody like that, you always is able to pick somebody to be a, a pass. Yeah, for sure. And like, the passing quality we get in midfield is one of the big things that <clears throat> we've seen from Rio and his kind of development over the last couple of months as well. But it, and what we've seen from probably like the best version we had of O'Reilly is those line-breaking passes that just slide somebody in, in behind the defence. They've got the box and then quite often we're looking for the runners at the back post and that kind of thing. Or like Kyogo does, just puts it in the net by himself. Um, and like having that clear route to go, or even that clear route to even just getting the fullback in on that ball, like even when the team the teams we're playing against are camping in and trying to block those spaces and really camp it in and make it two banks of four and all that kind of stuff, we're still able to move the ball around in such a way with these guys in midfield that it will peel a little bit of space out, and every one of them are just taking every inch of space that they're getting right now and using it to to great effect, you know. And Kyogo's goal, like it was, I was so glad to see it just absolutely rifle into the net, you know, because first time finish, breaking through one on one with the keeper, no hesitation, you know, absolutely clinical. It was like it was a great finish as well to to round it off and. You know, other strikers and maybe Kyogo himself. And other times that ball doesn't always go in. You know, it is a really good finish from from the wee man himself. And all the goal scorers that we're mounting up now, like see, looking at the five we got against St Mirren and then also the three last night, like, you know, the, the goals and the assists, all the contributions are wide across the pitch now. And like Aaron's saying there, you know, Lajota's not even really credited with anything statistically for his input on the game, but it's clear to see that he was a key part in all the, the kind of the, the bobbing and the weaving, as it were. Yeah, I don't think, um, I know it was only half an hour, I think Dyson made a lasted in the game, but taking somebody has quality off and replacing with Jota must be you know, defensive, a defender's nightmare. Um, but we'll bring Kyogo into the conversation now. Obviously, as you say, hit his 25th goal of the season uh, last night. That's 45 goals in a Celtic jersey. I'd imagine he'll hit 50 goals in a Celtic jersey this season. Um when I'd say they, you know, would definitely get 25. He's hit that before the end of March. It'd be great if he hit 30 before the end of March and even maybe look towards 40. I think Lee Griffiths must have been the last Celtic striker to hit 40 goals in a season. Um, yeah. Of course, um, yesterday joined Mandura City again. Semi-professional team at 32. Maybe, you know, as an indication about his career um, as went in recent times. But but back to Kyogo, our main man, um, pretty quiet. Aaron, the, the, the past two games, I think that's been doing his service. And the manager expressed his frustration about that last night. He said that was a bit of a frustrating thing um, because I just didn't think we used him at all tonight. Um, and then he went on to say he makes fantastic runs and sometimes I get really frustrated that after 18 to 20 minutes, we still don't see them. The beauty of it is that he doesn't get frustrated. He keeps making those runs. When we do find him in those areas, he's a quality player both of his assist for the first goal in the 25th minute that set up Dyson Maeda and the finish for the second. He's an outstanding contributor. We don't maybe see too much of Kyogo doing that for the first goal. These assists, you know, aren't, you know, a, a Jota or an O'Reilly kind of a level, but 
It shows you that he's got that in his game. And we knew he had that in his game because he played, obviously, in that left-hand side for, for VCL Kobe. But, and last night, it shows that there is that interchangeability between the, the, the forward players that he he gets that ball off of Tony Ralston and he's off. Plays the ball over and it's a great finish for Dyson. Yeah, what you said is right. And the same with Ange. I mean, last night, he was constantly making these runs. I mean, Hearts almost wanted him to make that run. They left him able to do them and the team just couldn't find him they couldn't see him couldn't give him a decent ball especially during the second half it was down my end the amount of times I could see him make that run and then drift offside come straight back onside and do the same run again you keep doing it keep persevering with it and that's what you want to see from him because one of these times he'll get a decent ball put into him like he did yesterday to set up that goal for Maeda and all again that just came from that run being left for the Hearts defence being able to do that run it's just need to start picking him out more often, I think, and we'll get a lot more goals if we just keep doing that. It's a ball over the top, but Andrew doesn't want to play that. I don't think the players do either. They want to keep the ball on the ground, but sometimes that ball over the top's what you need to break up the defence. Uh, the, the corner goals and ball, eh? the, the big switch that uh, um, our, our rivals like to play, but I think there is Quinny definitely something in that. If you think back a month to the, the Livingston game, I think it's O'Reilly that pings the big ball over two minutes. A brilliant finish for Kyogo, a similar kind of type of goal I think those comments for the manager though are pretty fair because like Aaron I was noticing it last night and I thought oh there he's off he's off and he's ready to go and does he end up going to him and maybe play the ball to the winger or it stays around in the midfield areas Um, I think probably for Andrew's sake that the biggest frustration in this Quinny will be you speak about how key and how good our passing is in a game but at times like that you know maybe it does take you know 20 minutes to, to notice where he is but Having worked with the players every single day in the training pitch, he probably knows that those players can pick him out with these type of balls and it's just maybe not translating into the games as much as he'd like it to do just now. Well, as much as like the, the ball that plays Kyogo in for the goal is like a, a much, you know, it comes from Ralston. It's a very much a long ball, you know, in terms of like how, how much. It's a great you know, ball for Ralston. It was his first kind of effective right. thing in the game because he was having a stinker before that. Yeah, it, it gets a lot of yardage, but again, it's the same as what we are talking about with, with Moyne that second ago. It's one of those line-breaking passes. Kyogo peels into that space and it just puts him into the box um, very well, you know. And I think that the main tech, like, Ange, like, is all, the football's all about high tempo, you know. That's why the forwards are always moving. The ball is always moving. No one's ever got their foot on the ball, you know. And um, it's, in again... When you're going through, that's one of the things I like about Ralston when he has played, and it's good, great to see him get the minutes again last night. Because sometimes when the, when we are shaping up and we're coming out, and like Ralston's carrying it or Bernabe last night or whoever, sometimes the teams that we play against know we're going to try and link up some passes. We're going to try and do some stuff, and they'll, they'll just go back five yards and get a wee bit. Make sure you can see everyone, get your man, and all that kind of thing. And with, um, you know, Juranovic and then Taylor when they were kind of developing, getting up to speed and whatever, sometimes, and Ralston himself, you know, they would just stand on the ball and then I don't know what to do with it and then go to the centre-backs or go to McGregor and then we are all kind of getting a bit frustrated by it. But Ralston, when he got into some really good form, would see those opportunities and he would just keep going. He would just keep going forward, keep going forward, move the team back, move the team back. And... It's that keeping them on their toes and keeping them moving. And last night, I think just paints into the same kind of thing where it doesn't need to run in. You know, the ball can move much faster than a man, you know. So he sees that space, he sees Kyogo's on the shoulder and it's just send the ball down there for him. So I think that's like right in with what we're after. And maybe like um, we've not, maybe like Johnson would have probably carried that in our 10 or 15 yards because he's only been here for like two or three months. He's not that confidence level or quite get that kind of synergy of seeing between the lines and seeing the run and all that kind of thing. So I'm quite looking forward to if we get Ralston in a run of minutes, maybe on the bigger pitches that we play on, you know, that that kind of pass is going to be open to us because as much as like Kyogo then has got the ability to peel in and do some stuff because like we're always talking about, you know, and Aaron's brought up a good point with it as well, that like the front three are also interchangeable that when Kyogo's peeling out there to put the ball in, like Maeda was there, but on many other matches, we've seen the amount of bodies we flood into the box. There could be two or three in there for that. Um, and it's not just because Kyogo's a striker, he has to be in the middle. He's just on the front line breaking for that ball. So it's good to see the guys are are getting in on the end of it as well. And Kyogo's not just up there. Like, because the goal he takes, he's the last man. It's one-on-one with the keeper, that's fair enough. But um, he's not really been in the opportunity often enough to play those balls. You know, he's normally relying on somebody else finding him. So if we can add that in as another runner, that's brilliant. 
Yeah, and you, you see that intelligence between Moy and Kyogo because he cuts across the Hearts defender. It'd be very easy for him to just kind of hold his position and make that run forward. But he knows where Moy's going to put the ball, so he makes that, that choice to, to cut across and he absolutely bangs it past Xander Clark. You know, you speak about that flood of goals as well earlier on, Quinny. That must be eight different goal scorers um, in the, the, the two games. So, again, yep. that, that tells you that you, you do quite literally have goals all over the, the, the park. Um, we, were, we were talking about some players, particularly Adam, we brought Tomoki Awata in in January. He's not played too many games. I, I'd imagine the manager will want to at least make sure he gets 10 under his belt so he's eligible for a, a league winner's medal towards the end of the season. But I tell you something, see if Tomoki Awata's Celtic career is coming on for the last 10 minutes of games. You'll get your money's worth because when he does come on for the last 10 minutes of games, he's continually been a presence when he comes onto that midfield and he kind of, you know, strangleholds, I think, the end of the game. I, I've been pretty impressed by him. Yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, it was quite erratic, the game, especially when it was 2-1. And he came on and kind of calmed it down a wee bit, got a few passes together, kind of dictated play from that whole midfielder role. And what I think was interesting as well, when he came on, Cal McGregor was pushed up a little bit alongside the tatty. And I thought at that point in the game, it was 2-1. I thought he put a double pivot in just sit and see out that, that scrape that 2-1 win. Because at the time, Hearts were going for it and I don't know about you, but I was a bit like, a wee bit on edge thinking they're going to pull one back here. But it was good to see him come on there and and have that influence over the team. Quinny, I hope that, you know, Tomoki Iwata's Celtic care, isn't he? Just, you know, coming on for 10 minutes every single game and that's how you see him. But that's what we've been able to judge him on so far. And if that, you know, is all that we get from him, I think it'll be impressive, but I said on here before, I think next season when you're, you're back in the Champions League that we, we hope to be, he's going to be a really important player for us because in situations like last night against, you know, as you say, one of the best teams that will play in the league, he, he came on and, you know, he just controlled the game again, much like he did in that cup final towards the end when you really needed him. I think the like it's interesting what you're saying there, Aaron, because like I hear this double pivot chat like all over the place when it comes to Celtic in the midfield, and I think if we if we think about like um, the whole kind of Jackie Marcus thing, like the manager's quite clear that I don't think the system changes at all depending on who's playing in midfield. But what he does is the manager that is is he lets whatever their actual individual qualities are like come into the game. So like if we are like it's two one right and. McGregor's getting pushed a bit further forward, and yeah, we want another goal, and but we're a bit tentative. If we are, if we are a bit tentative, like O'Reilly, and well, maybe Moy does, right? But O'Reilly doesn't really have much of a defensive bag to him. If we did want to bank in for two minutes, if they were pounding a bit of pressure on us, obviously Watt and McGregor do. So I think it's more a case of like the team will stay the same in terms of the midfield dynamic that we see with like. You know, Moy, McGregor uh, in Rio, or um, McGregor, O'Reilly in Rio. In terms of normally, you'll find like McGregor, who was probably in that uh, right mid position for like the the right of the three for the last like 10 minutes or whatever. He naturally will be further forward. That's what we see from O'Reilly, and that's what we see from Moy in that position. And then, likewise, on the other side, it's normally that real and real come on, obviously, um, that real shift. But it's then, if we need to defend, that guy's actually really capable of defending. So see, for five minutes, he's got the power in the squad because the manager gives the players the power to like read the situation, read the game and play to their strengths. He's got the ability to just sit in like no other midfielder we have next to McGregor and maybe calm things down for a wee minute or two, get the ball moving around. Because one of the things I've been impressed with with Iwata, um, for the couple of minutes he's had in both games is He's actually got to the edge of the box on a couple of counter-attacks and laid a pass off. And even though he is seen as a defensive guy that's coming on and controlling the game, he sees the opportunity, he sees the space, and he's got that power in the team to, like, you know, well, I've got the ability to play this pass, so I'm going to play it. And he doesn't need to worry about, oh, I need to do what the manager tells me or I won't get picked in the team or, you know, all that kind of nonsense that players normally need to worry about. He's got that freedom to be himself in the system. Yeah, he certainly, uh, as I say, I think he's going to be an important player, you know, um, moving on here for Celtic. We're only going to see bits of him, I think, towards the end of the season. Again, if we get the league wrapped up early-ish, um, he will... What do you think about that? You know, do you think, like, really the system does change depending on the midfielders that are selected? Or do you think it is a bit more of, you see actually the, the person in the, in the system? Domestically, I think 
for us just now, I don't think it changes at all. Um, but I think maybe Champions League it might change. Adam, what was your thoughts on that? Do you think it? I, I don't think I, I agree with what Quinny's saying. There is a system in place. There's new players within the building that play the system. It doesn't matter who it is; they go in and they play the system. But just for me, Champions League, you might just tweak it a wee bit. And that's something that Martin O'Neill spoke about. And again, people will say, "Listen, he's a man of Celtic for nearly twenty odd years. You know, games moved on, blah blah blah." But you know, he, he, I think you do listen to these kind of things, and he always talks about just making those wee tweaks. I think that just might be a wee tweak that he can do that doesn't change the system too much. I think so, especially away from home as well. I think they might play two sort of holding midfielders there, just protect the fence, give a wee bit more protection. But at home, unless circumstances make us have to change, I do think we'll keep the same system we had near this season. It was effective to some extent, you saw the first half against Madrid, especially against Shakhtar, I thought were just still underperformed probably, never reached our full potential. But um, in the league, I don't think it would change too much. And I think maybe last minutes of a game, if you're struggling or whatever, you might look at it, but as Quinny says, it's up to the players. I think they are got that control. They can decide and the manager's allowing them to do that. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one of the really interesting things that came out after the game last night, obviously Ange Postacoglu's 100th game in charge of Celtic. Um, the banner last night, really, really top class for the GB. Um, sacked by Christmas, cheers to 100 games, well, absolutely top class. Um, but stat came out, as it does, um, the Celtic manager's percentage um, of wins in the first 100 games, the top five a minimum, judging them on 100 games. Um, obviously we'll apply context to this Jockstein's the greatest Celtic manager of all time we all know that um, yep. and I think he probably will forever be the greatest Celtic manager of all time but looking at the top 5, Martin O'Neill hits the top 75.53% Ange Postecoglou second, 74% Neil Lennon in third at 70.33% Jockstein in fourth 70.06% uh, Brendan Rodgers fifth, 69.82% win percentage um, that's based on 100 games pretty impressive of, of course they all inherited very different spells but it's a really really impressive when you consider the, the start that we had and the run that we've actually went on um, that that again goes for Martin O'Neill who inherited a, a Celtic team who were you know I think they'd finished 20 odd points as well behind Rangers the season previous um, so really really impressive um, and again looking at Celtic manager average goals per game uh, Jokestein no surprisingly, top of that 2.62, and just behind him at 2.53, then Martin 2.36, Willie Mealy 2.25, Neil Lennon at 2.23 quite funny though, in the sense you know, remember Quinny and Aaron that when Ange came everybody was talking about, I might score goals but you know, you're not clean, clean sheets or whatever else um, both Steen or Ange uh, don't rank too well when it does come to goals conceded per game, but Celtic way of playing football is always putting the ball in the back of the head, so we don't really need to worry about that. And uh, 253 goals and 100 games is a hell of an impressive record, Quinny. Um, as I say, the banner last night, absolutely excellent. Yeah. And then after the game, he, he was asked about the banner and he, he said um, that this is his quote from last night. He said, I appreciate the port, the support I've had from fans since the day I arrived. I haven't felt anything but support even when it wasn't that evident what we were doing. They got behind me in the team and that has never been lost in me. I want to repay that and I try to do that on a daily basis. Um, and 100 games, we're, we're kind of drifting away here from the, the team in the park, but in 100 games, you know, to, to me, he's completely revolutionised the, the football club and, you know, I still don't think we're anywhere near where he particularly wants us to be. I think the, the crux are there. Uh, what he was after, the squad's certainly there. But I think we're still going to go up another level under him. What's your thoughts on that, Quinny? Um, in terms of what he's saying there about the, the, the fans and everything, you know, as I say, the, the record is remarkable, really. Yeah, I was just going to, the main thing that was coming into my head when you were talking was time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe it's 100 mm -hmm. games already. Like, it does seem like it's absolutely ran away in terms of time. It only feels like yesterday was appointed in, in the grand scheme of things. And, it's great to see that that's the record that he's produced because we're, we forever feel and talk about how great this Celtic team is, you know, in terms of 1 to 25 or whatever the squad is at this point, you know. It's um, <clears throat> it is really exciting. And, like, you know, it's 
it's a great time to be a Celtic fan now. Like, there's not, there's, there's absolutely nothing really to be upset about really these days, except for maybe some of the VAR stuff now and again, and some of the just the, the drama that goes around football in general, you know. But the squad's brilliant. There's no bad eggs, no bad apples or anything. We're spending money on like good players, and it's not really about spending big money like it maybe has been about in the past because it's normally the easy answer for quality is the amount of money you spend, whereas we're now being actively like really clever. Um, with a clever manager in a coherent fashion. You know, it's not like anything we've really done before, really since like probably O'Neill when he had like full scope to spend every penny and pound as he seemed mm. fit, you know. Um, so yeah, it's great to see that that's the kind of achievement he's got there. And hopefully, you know, I mean, like the manager, you can tell as well, like with some of the comments he came out with um, around the, the final and whatever, like I'll be here for longer than people think and all that kind of stuff. And the reaction you see him giving the fans over the last couple of games, he's giving it the extra kind of oomph and the big, uh, you know, the, the the big heart punches and everything, you know, and like he really is properly like one of us, I think, in that sense. Like you see him doing everything for the team. And the, the thing with Ange, I watch a lot of like other football as well, right? But the thing with Ange in particular and the mindset all the way throughout the squad that is so rare in like modern football these days is like, absolute accountability for like there's no excuses made there's no corners there's no shortcuts no corners caught eh, no corners cut kind of thing it's all about what we're about what we do what i do and i'll do all the talking on the park kind of thing you know shows up doesn't bring a coach with him and you know like um i can't use the proper expression but uh, he's not disrespectful either he's not calling people lucky and whatever else too totally but there's, a, there's an expression, a late friend of mine, uh, I can't say it on this, but you know, you, you can only, you can only, um, you can only play with the cards you're dealt is probably the really nice way of putting it um, kind of thing. And he's like one of these guys that just gets on with it and is all about, you know, honour, respect and hard working and that kind of fundamental part of who he is and how everything kind of flows around him. So yeah, a hundred down. Let's hope for an hour, like, I don't know, two or three hundred would be lovely. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and you even add another zero onto that hundred and you're we're really talking. Um, it's going to, you know, I think we're, we're still very much living in the moment. And I think that is what we, we should do and not try and race away from ourselves. I think it's easy as football fans, any football club, to do that. We, we Celtic particularly, we want our team to succeed at domestic and European football level, at European football level. Completely. We've certainly underachieved in, in recent years. We want to be at the very top table. We want to be competitive and when we get there. We, we hope that Ange is the guy to do that after 100 games. As I say, I, I think, Aaron, I mean, you know, the, the situation that he inherited at that point in time was a mess um, and he turned it around quickly you hear this stuff about managers needing time and, and football and all that stuff I don't doubt that he actually wouldn't have got the time the the, the clip that got released uh, towards the back end of last season with Dermot Desmond who who said in it that you know we did a phone call I think with him after the Hearts game or whatever it was and said you know don't, don't worry you know you, you get a crack at this um, they clearly identified his vision but he did turn it around really, really quickly for us and we went in that really phenomenal run, won the League Cup, then when we came back after the break, uh, they were really, I think, a different animal. I know there was a couple of draws in between it, but looking back, you know, people were asking, you know, you're, you're highly under Angel, get to that at the end of the show, but there's plenty of those to kind of um, speak about. One thing last night that was interesting, Adam, was... Both fullbacks changing. He said after the game, Greg Taylor's likely going to be fit for Saturday. I would imagine he'll come back in for Saturday. Um, obviously, he scored the winning goal the last time we were at Tyne Castle. What not? I think I wanted to bring Ralston in for minutes and maybe to give Johnson just a, a don't want to say rest because Andrew would strike you down if you see a rest. You know, he said before that footballers get a rest when they retire and hang their boots up. So I won't use the word rest, but maybe just you know rotate the team and keep things fresh. Recovery. Aye, recovery. That's it, Quinny. You're, you're getting me out of this hole here. Um, under that, I think that Ange tunes into watches, but, you know, we, we don't want to be... Definitely does. Ange loves the show. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to get hung up on, you know, what we're saying. So, But what I was going to say that Adam was, Bernabe and Ralston haven't played football for a good wee while yet, and I think that showed in the early parts, probably the whole first half of the game yesterday, that they, they really lacked uh, match sharpness. Yeah, I mean, Burnaby, I think, was extremely rusty. You could tell it was his first match in two and a half months, probably, maybe even three. 
And congratulations to him on that. Obviously, oh, I think some people only realised yesterday that he'd, he'd had a wee baby daughter recently and um, the, the hoops were on her at the game last night. He posted a picture of it. So sorry to interrupt there, Aaron, but just in case people were wondering where he has been, um, he has had a wee baby. So, But back by what you were saying, he, he was pretty rusty, wasn't he? He was, aye. Some of his passing was really slack. And I don't know about you, but I always thought he was out of position and especially attacking as well. I always felt he was a wee bit nowhere. In the second half, also I'm sitting on that, his attacking side, and I'm seeing him try to underlap over that with Jota, but he's doing it at the wrong times. I feel Jota's want to go one-on-one, and Benedict comes and drags the defender with him and makes it harder for Jota, and Jota has him going back the way. But I thought Ralston, I felt Moy didn't help Ralston as much as he could have. Ralston was looking for the pass a few times and Moy I also felt was was hiding a wee bit. But I think second half they both got into a wee bit more but I wouldn't have said pass marks in my honest opinion. But I think people are happy with Bernabe's performance on social media, but personally I didn't I didn't see that. But I, I thought it was okay. Um I didn't think it was anything to write home about type of thing. I think he's still really adapting twenty to play that inverted fullback role, which, which is fair enough. I mean, we've saw Alistair Johnson take to it like a duck to water. Um, that, you know, for a fullback, who's maybe used to, to going forward, he certainly looks bare in the bay. It almost kind of reminds me, early days, of like an Azagiri type player, Quinn, that I think if you gave him the ball and told him to sprint 30, 40 yards, he'd be able to do it. And he's a great crosser of the ball, bare in the bay. But at times last night, um, when I was watching the game, particularly in the first half, looking at its kind of Celtic shape, where I sit at the corner between the, the North Stand and the Jockstein Stand, you can kind of, that's my side, that left-hand side, and Hatati O'Reilly does it particularly well. Do, do you like, Hatati's the master at it, pulling into that left-hand side position. If Taylor goes into the middle, Hatati will stretch it, and then the winger's usually there. He wasn't doing it too often last night for me, Bernabe. Bernabe was getting caught almost in that kind of number 10 position, and then he was nowhere to be seen. Um, I think, though, as I say, he's still adapting to playing that inverted role. I don't want to be too harsh on him because he's just not had the game time. And I thought, you know, last night, the events that did come into the Roman in the first half, I would give them both pass marks. Bernabe ends up getting an assist at the end. He probably could have had a second one when he whips that ball across for Ralph. So that would have been quite ironic. But um, yeah, I, I, I think for, for Bernabe's sake at Celtic, he's probably only going to get to the level he maybe wants to be. He's just playing a wee bit more football and getting used to that that role a bit better. Well, I'd be interested to hear your, your kind of take on it from being at the games, particularly if they're all right in front of you, Aaron. But for me, looking at the game, I did feel that like Burnaby was a little bit of... Um, it, it was a wee bit of like the the odd one out. It did feel like he hadn't played. But, you know, look, the last time he played was against Kilmarnock um, the weekend. And he, he, it was the two great that day. Again, I, I don't yeah. like giving Celtic players a hammer because I think he's a decent enough player. But he just... It was at the level that we maybe, I think when you say such high standards with Greg Taylor walking in there, it's always probably going to be tough for him, isn't it? Yeah. Do you agree that's with that? That's a solid two months well. ago. So so it's, well, it's four and a half million you paid for him. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be this attacking fullback that's got, he's quite flary, but I've not saw that bit yet. He's not lived up to that price tag. Well, what I was going to ask you is, is like, I got the impression definitely from watching it on the telly that like he was, a bit of a, an odd one out in that sense as well, right? But like you kind of mentioned there, Declan, like normally those kind of runs are maybe done by Hitati. Hitati appeals wide and then Taylor's inside, but Bernabe's, Bernabe wants to stay wide, but then he remembers he needs to kind of do the underlapping thing. Do you think it might have been a case, uh, I, I just want to hear like what, what you think about this, is it maybe a wee bit of also that he's not played in a bit, but also he's quite different to Taylor and, and Hitati didn't play also. So, like, for Jota, and Jota didn't start, you know, so that whole left side, it was just a wee, I don't know what you think about, maybe it's just, it's not just Bernabe in terms of getting linked up, but it's maybe there are guys linking with him also and realising he wants to be outside, so let's get him outside. And I don't wish you were taking that first before I have my bit on it. That's probably right as well, to be fair. I think Mark Riley was also on the left of that sort of midfield tree. He was on the right. I just felt, like you said, he was the odd one out. He just... He couldn't get going, but then he started to get going a wee bit in the in the second half, particularly towards the end of it. I felt Greg Taylor was on the bench. It might be the half-time switch, I'd have thought. Yeah. 
Aye, uh, and again, it's tough because you know it's not going to help be in the beast conference at all if you you want to hook him. But if you were going to hook somebody, it would have been him again. No, Quinn, I think that's probably a point, and you know it doesn't help that half an hour into the game you need to take off the the player that's in front of him. In fact, so you've been working the past few days, and Dyson goes off because we know Dyson's um, defensive capabilities. We obviously spoke about Jota winning that ball back earlier on, but the way my Adel works, he's always going to peel into those positions a wee bit. So. As I say, I think Burnaby's a, a decent enough player. It's just about getting up to probably speed with that inverted fullback role. But he said other things going on in the background, family-wise, in the past two months. So um, I'm happy to, you know, kind of paper over the cracks of that one and just see if we get so on. Um, Tony Ralston, though. What, 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 what I was going to say, I, I was going to ask you is what he's made of a bad on last night because he gets back in from the start. That was a bit of a surprise. Mm. And I don't think that was a surprise. Not after Sunday. I would have wanted really him to start. Would you, would you agree with that, Aaron, that he probably deserved to start after Sunday? He deserved to start, but that was probably the worst performance from a player under Andrew, I think. It was, honest, I don't think words can describe how disappointed I was with his performance. I thought he should have been a lot better than what he was. And I feel like he's, he's a bit of a rough diamond still. And he's probably still better coming from off that bench to make that impact on the game. Yeah. And with that, those rumours coming out, I think he might be one of the ones who might be away in the summer. Yeah, it, it could well be. Um, again, those rumours, there was absolutely buggered old direct quote that came out from it, um, which I think was the case with Yakimakis. But again, the media is always going to look at things. I think Abad has left Dudu Dahan to go to Juranovic's agent. You said that here last week, Aaron. Yeah. So they're always going to put pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. Quinn, as I say, I thought he deserved to start because he was the difference on Sunday when he came on off the bench. He was, was crying out for his tomato change. Gets a goal, gets a couple of assists. Really, really effective on Sunday. I thought he'd basically played his cell into the team. But I'd agree with Aaron in that in terms of the way he's been playing. And just looking at him here, um, that's now, I think it was maybe his 93rd appearance for Celtic last night. 54 appearances last season. 39 was last night. Um so I 93, 93 appearances, first season, 15 goals, 11 assists, 12 goals, 7 assists this season. His record is, is, is excellent, but um, in terms of recent weeks and recent months, he's been a much more effective player off the bench. I would like to ask you, Quinny, on that. I, I think I'd agree with Aaron in that he's still a bit of a rough time too, that he snatches at things too early on. Did that a couple of times last night, was getting the ball. Warren, you know, stop, think, then lift his head. He was just snatching at it. Um Aye, I, I don't know if he'll start at the weekend, but again, be, be Dyson maybe not being able to miss, sorry, maybe not being able to make the weekend, I think uh, he might even get the start, but again, I think after I bring him into the conversation, Haxabranovic's goal, um, I think I'd be really, really tempted to play him at the weekend. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, Quinny? Uh, yeah, Abadan's definitely got. I, I, I don't. I was quite surprised to hear Aaron reckoning he may be off in the summer. And fair enough, the agent stuff. I wasn't really aware of that too, um, to to any extent. But cause I think Abada, like the quotes we hear from him, it's like he's quite like I'm in no rush. I'm in a great place. Man, the contract's till 2026, so it's absolutely no rush as well. It's much like a, a situation yeah. to the other guy. And um, and I think for the most part, all of Abada's good games and his bad games, like. We've spoke about it before. I don't really see him ever influencing a game for longer than like 10 or 15 minutes. Even like his good games, it is like a real hot burst of like he plays the assist and he makes a few runs, gets the goal, that kind of thing. And I was surprised he started because I just didn't see Jota not starting. I thought it'd be Dyson, Kyogo Jota kind of thing, you know. He had a bit of a stink so, at the weekend though and he scored. I mean, I think loads of people. Yeah, fair. Um, I, I, I saw it on social media when I came out of the game because I, I was thinking to myself, oh, Jota's not having too great a game here. And much like Abada, sorry, much like Bernabe Abada last night, we're saying if there was one guy you were going to probably hook, it would have been him. But what do you again? What do you know? Because Jota then goes and scores a really good goal. And uh, I hadn't noticed at the game, but it was getting absolute pelters for the St. Martin fans. Um, and I know everybody was really laughing because I think Sky had put one of the mics really close to a St. Martin fan. And you could hear absolutely everything he was shooting um, at that? players. But uh, I, but with Jota, I don't think it was great at the weekend because I just thought Abada had, had given us something. But again, maybe it is that he's just more effective off the bench. One of the interesting things Postacoglu said last night, he was asked after the game, you know, did any of those changes give him food for thought? And he said that no, he doesn't really see it that way, that he works in training with him every day. 
and it's just, you know, game day is just about playing our football. So really for these players, his mindset, you know, he spoke about going back to what we were saying earlier, about 100 games. Um, and he was asked about a moment and he said it was the day he was appointed, mate, because it was afforded the opportunity. He's very much this type of guy that speaks, that's a really key word for him, opportunity in training. And it was something that, that Dan Day said when, when Sales here spoke to him um, a couple of months ago was every day in training for the B team, there's an opportunity. That is something that I think's just went right, filtered right down for the manager in that when you're up there at Lennox time, you've got a real opportunity to show him what you've got. And if he thinks you've got it, you know, you get thrown in. And what one guy who would say he's doing that the new Aaron is Matt O'Reilly, who's starting to pick up his form a bit. Um, I know he wasn't, you know, maybe as effective as maybe Rio. We're talking about that pulling off to the left hand side, but again, he's not maybe too used to doing that. But he's starting to come into a game. I don't think he'll actually start at Tyne Castle. He might, because I don't know if Aaron Moy will play two games in the space of three days. But um Naturally, you know what, I'm going to say O'Reilly will start at Tyne Castle on Saturday. I think it'll go with O'Reilly, Hattati, McGregor. Um, but I've been really impressed by him and it was good to see him get his first league goal um, at the weekend at St Mern. Yeah, and he also showed another side to his game as well. I felt like when Hearts... pressing were, quite aggressively last night was, as well, yeah. He got picked up a few loose passes as well. He stuck a foot in a few times and I think it was one or two times in a wee slide tackle and he was successful, won the ball, was straight up distributing it and starting the counter-attacks. I'm a big fan of O'Reilly, I think he will go places. But his confidence took a big big hit this season, I think. But he's starting to get it back. You can see it last night. He was trying other things. He hasn't been trying this season. And I think he will, like you, start at Tyne Castle on Saturday. Yeah, that was his debut. He was outstanding that night. Um, he uh-huh. you know, put his cell about the place. And Hatati scored an absolute rocket, um, if you remember right. That yeah. was... Uh, not the last time we played there, but the time before that. Um, so the, the two of them like that that venue, and uh, hopefully they'll be as effective um, when we go there on Saturday in the, the Scottish Cup. Uh, Quinny, L- looking at the overall picture just now, it's all going very well. But once again, our old friend VAR last night was. Uh, we hoped that you know the last time we played Tarts, it was the first time it was actually ever used. Um, but no any step further on since it was last year. It's, it's actually worst. I mean, last night, it was pathetic. I think that's the only word I could use to describe it, is pathetic. Um, yeah. And we get that equalising goal, and I've saw the angle now. I I don't know what takes so long to look at it, because it's clear as day that, that Kyogo's run is onside. I, I don't know what the delay was at all. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I had... Um... I had the game on one tail and had Champions League on the other and had a few pals over. And if you see, it seems you've got it side by side, the VAR technology that they use for the Champions League level versus the stuff that those guys are playing around with. It's like Microsoft Paint, you know? <laughs> and then you look at Champions League and it's like FIFA level 3D oh, models. Mi- Microsoft Paint, it's like Paint 20. <laughs> it's like Jilux compared to that. It's, it's murder. Tipex on the monitor. <laughs> stuff, you know? Um, so maybe there's a little bit of that that we are not privy to because, like, surely it can't be that level of incompetence or that level of bias or corruption or whatever you would want to call it because it's ripping out them. They can't be that daft to make it that obvious, surely. So I'm now at the point of maybe it's something crazy we've never thought of that it is like they've got a hamster on the wheel, they've got a modem on dial-up, you know, and they've got some mad dodgy software that doesn't work properly. <laughs> whatever. Well, they've got the cheap version. But we know that we know that they've got the cheapest version, and that, that's playing out. Um, you know, and again, I think I said on here be you, Quinny, after the Motherwell game. If you you think by adding you the, the one that Jota's goal get chopped off, oh. and they never had the camera angles to show it. Um, I'm just thinking, like, how many times have we all been there streaming a game, and then it's buffering. Imagine that's, that's what it must be like the Vardom. That's what it must be like the Vardom. Because at that's that point, at that point last night with that first goal, right? You know, good goal for Dyson, really good, making that run for the middle. Kind of a typical goalie that's probably score for the, the the Japan national team because he plays as that kind of that that nine, um, and he bangs into Xander Clark, and Xander Clark was getting a bit of treatment in the ground. That is a time that Alan Muir, and I think it was Nick Walsh in the VAR room last night, should be looking at that. Said, yep, absolutely fine goal. And, you know, and then there's a wait. And it's six minutes added on to the end of the, the half hour. And it's, it is beyond a joke now. And even on Saturday there too, you know, the, the, the pictures, kind of you're talking about how 
poor it is in terms of you know what you're actually seeing graphic wise. Um, taking all the, the the potential bias, which I know a lot of people think is the case, I think it's the case too that there is, and it, taking that out of it. And Saturday, the Kyogo one with Charles done, they were not able to supply a picture which could clearly identified where that contact happened, which shows that the actual technology itself is just a waste of time. Because if you can't supply the correct pictures to the referees and the person in the room and a limited time frame can't watch it, what's the point? What is the point? I've, I've run out of words to describe the incompetence of referees, to be honest. It's uh, it's laughable. It's nothing else to describe than that. I mean, on Sunday there, the referee, every big decision he had to make, he got overturned by VAR. I mean, VAR's decisions, in my opinion, weren't always uh, the correct ones, but still get overturned by VAR. <laughs> then last night as well, the, as you say, six minutes added on in the first half. And the World Cup, we joked about the and it's time being added on with that. You never saw that in the World Cup six minutes in the first half. And what never helped that either was the Hearts players at any opportunity going down, mm. getting the medics on. And I think was it Zanna Clark was down two or three times in that first half. Yeah. And Josh Nelly the same. A few other was a few other ones down. But the weight is what's killing it because I mean, even the Haxbanovich is the third goal there. You're in the stadium VR check for the third goal. Mm. How can you possibly check that for offside? It's puzzling. That is puzzling. Um, and actually, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Celtic's equaliser there, Quinny. From, again, the images which aren't clear at all, you know, they're, they're not clear to interpret. Um, again, it's becoming, you know, a personal opinion about what actually you can see in the image. You could probably sit three people down and they might see something different with it. Uh, the hearts. Again, that's a big problem with Declan, is it's made a... for clear and obvious errors. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like, not clear. Like, let's see the one, the, the, the penalty, where it was like in the box and out the box. Like, that's not a clear and obvious error from the referee awarding a penalty, for example, no. right? Because, like you say, you can look at that a thousand times. It is meant to be where the foul, like, occurs, and it was in the box. There's no reason for it to be where the foul starts. You never get that, and, you know, particularly when VAR is brought into the equation. Um, so, it's, and again, it's like, like you guys are talking, it's over-refereeing it. It's every decision. It's meant to be for clear and obvious gaffes, like errors that have ruined the game or are going to make it an out unfair outcome. That's the prime directive of this stuff, above all. And it's, But it's continually being subjective. One of the things I was going to say there was the Ginelli goal, Aaron, um, from the angle, and again, it's the image that they've produced. It looks offside. Because he, his knee, his knee is in front of where Carol Starfield is. Unless the rules change that you can actually score a goal away with your feet, um, he's offside. It is. I mean, I saw that angle on Twitter last night, and it was clear as day to me. It was like, how have they looked at that image and then decided that was an onside goal? But the problem isn't always VAR either. I mean, these referees are—they're not even professional. They're part time. Instead of putting all this money into VAR. David Dickinson looked completely off the pace of the game on Sunday, oh. by the way, and that 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 equalising goal. If you ever look at the image, the linesman's not even up to 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 speed we play. Um, I know Keogh goes fast, but you know they're they're there to do a job and they're not actually doing uh, that job. So again, it's two games that we've won. We always try and highlight. I think it's important to highlight it after you've won. I'm not just on having a sob story, you know, after. I've lost points or whatever else, but um, yeah, another shocking performance with it. And I, again, people would probably say that um, at the weekend there was a weight we owe's penalty to. We want to ask you both about what, what was your take on his performance on Sunday, particularly? I know he came on last night. Um, Quinny, quite a, you know, what, what should we say? He's penalty done up, but what, what kind of, what word do you to describe it? It was pretty bold, wasn't it? He had to yeah, score after some of that stuff. Oh, he definitely had to, you know. Um, yeah, it was something else to say at least. Uh, he's been good, man. He's, he's eager to please, isn't he? He can tell as yeah. soon as he's on the pitch. He wants he wants his teammates to be happy. He wants us to be happy. He wants the manager to be happy. He's really happy to get stuck in, embrace everything that's been asked of him. And yeah, for the a few appearances he's had, I, I, I find it quite tough to really form much of an opinion on him beyond he's given it his all and it looks decent, you know, but... Until he gets a couple of starts, I think that's when we'll really see a bit more of 
oh, he could maybe do this, or mm, he's not really got any of that. Adam, Adam, what was your take on him? Um, I thought it was pretty impressive uh, in the cup final particularly, but um, uh, again, I think when he's pretty spot on with that, he gives his all, he, he goes at it, but um, we've not probably seen enough to judge him as of yet. No, we've not seen enough to judge him. He's only came on for the, past, the last 20 minutes, if he's lucky, the past few games. Um, he had that chance last night, you could see it was towards the left side of the goal, he's Des will try and get back to his right foot. Instead, he ran out of time and and missed a chance almost. So it's quite frustrating for him. I think the fans were frustrated as well. Just wished they took that shot when he had the chance to instead of and to work back to his right foot. Then that would come with confidence, you would hope. So if he goes under his belt, if you start, hopefully, and he'll be scoring that. No bother. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty. Um, I've now played hearts once. But I think we said at the top of the show that uh, set up for a bit of a cracker on, on Saturday. How do you see the game going? I think it's going to be a, a good old-fashioned cup tie on Saturday, but I think you'll see, again, maybe three or four Celtic changes. I think Greg Taylor will probably come back into the side. and just said he was a bit sore. Um, that centre-half pairing and goalkeeper won't change. I think Johnston will likely come back in. As I say, I fancy O'Reilly. He, he continues place in midfield with Hattati McGregor. I think Aksabanovic might start with Jota and either flank and he'll go up top. They're my team. Do you, do you see, again, a wee bit of rotation? Yeah, I think there'll definitely be some changes. I think Rio comes right back into the team. I was actually thinking as well when we were chatting about Abada, like that Abada's best when he's running at people and he's got space to put somebody else on the back foot. And when Hearts go 1-0 up, you know, probably the game dynamic has went away from Abada and it's probably, you know, went against him because they can camp in a bit deeper and then he's running... Uh, at people all standing on their feet kind of thing, you know. So I, I, I don't know if maybe, if Abada did start, I don't know if maybe he could be a wild card to come back in since Dyson has picked up a knock. Maybe Jota just goes into the left, keeps Abada on the right. But the former Haksabanovic definitely puts him in the conversation. Whether it even be, if it was to be some sort of wild card situation, maybe in the attacking midfield spot, because he has done that before. And I think he's on record as saying that's what he, he fancies. Yep. Yeah, I think he'll play anywhere um, though. He, he, he'll yeah. be again. I spoke earlier about that opportunity type thing. I think it would really say to the manager, you know, I'm, I'm ready to play here. Um, and he gives Hearts a complete different problem. Um, in Saturday, and again, you see something else. And we know he can hit the back of the night, it was important. Um, towards the first part of the season type of thing before the World Cup, cracking goal last night. We're not even sporting about that. It was really, really good effort. That was brilliant. He was finding his form. They had that month before the World Cup when he got that Player of the Month award. Um, but all last night, he just oozed confidence. He came on, was eager to get on the ball, was eager to drive at the defence, create some chances. He took that ball, worked his way to the just slightly inside the box. Superb strike, and he left the keeper with no chance there. He's a top, top strike, and that'll certainly give him confidence, but also give the manager something to think about coming into Saturday when. Got to say, he's he's due a start, he's earned that start like a badder did uh, last Sunday. Aye, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, before we close, 100 games under Ange Postacoglu, Quinny, favourite game and a favourite moment. So you can pick an actual win game and then you can pick a moment. What are you going I'll for? Str- Aaron, you can I'll- think about this anyway while Quinny's talking. I would struggle with this. I'd probably say favourite game would probably be Dundee United 9-0 because that was just a party um, from start to finish. Everyone got involved. A lot of great goal scorers and all that good stuff. And um, in terms of favourite moment, probably uh, winning the league uh, in terms of winning the trophy and seeing them in the stadium and giving the speech and all that kind of thing. I think that's a pretty fair two shoots in that. Um, Aaron, come over to you in that one. Favourite game and favourite moment? Favourite game will have to be a 3 0 Derby win. Now, Wednesday night under the lights, there's just something special about that. You know, first Derby game back at Celtic Park with fans. The win that puts top of the table didn't move since then. I mean, think of a Derby to me, that's the first thing I think of now was, was standing there and it was good. Good game. My favourite moment, yeah, favourite moment. It's quite hard. I mean, there's been lots of great moments. I mean, the one that stands out to me straight away is the one at Hamden just a few weeks back, half-time. We're all never seen half-time like that before. That was that was really special, I felt. But also, after the Real Madrid game, it was 3-0 we lost. 
but we're all still chatting the manager's name as he walks around the park, and I felt that as well. We'd just been beat, but we'd showed we can put a fight against the holders of the competition. I felt that was really special, and that really showed the backing of the fans. I would agree with the the game that you've picked there. You know, Celtic ran riot that night, and we hadn't beaten Rangers, I think, in seven games or something. It was the first time we returned to the top of the table since September 2020. This was February 2022. We had beaten Dundee United a few days before that by a bad as goal. And then in the 90th minute, Rangers had dropped points. I, I thought that was a night that we kind of you know, put down a marker that, you know, but we're still the dominant force in this country. Um, it was one bad season and here we are. I don't want to say we're back because I don't think we really ever went away anyway. It was just... We had a, a, an off-season, so, you know, and, and again, the atmosphere was absolutely electric that night. Our rivals wanted the game uh, played behind closed doors with no punter in the stadium, so I think everything just came together that night. The manager came away with that great comment after the game as well, if you remember, right, and saying, you know, people come in here with troubles and woes and it's our job to make them um, forget about that for 90 minutes and, and basically switch off. Um, from their life, no, no matter how busy, hectic, or whatever else it is. And in terms of moment, um, I'd probably say we're in that first cup under Andrew was pretty special because the direction was there. I think it's always pretty hard for some people who maybe had their doubts. I, I certainly didn't when he came in. Um, I'm always one of these kind of people that wants any Celtic manager, no matter who they are, to come in and be a success right away. I think the whole how thing dragged that out. Um, you could actually probably say that one of my favourite moments is the day eventually was confirmed as manager. It was a Thursday morning, if I, if I remember right, and he was on the Zoom um, call with, with Paul Cuddy after it. So, But I, I'm going to go for that first cup win. I thought that gave players taste of silverware and it showed that the direction that we were going to uh, start to, to go under the manager. So, But there's plenty. I think those are good shoots. Again, even that 4-0 derby win at the... The start of the season in September, I think, and I asserted that, you know, we're we're you know still on top here, and we're going to be in dominate. And long may that continue. Um, gents, pleasure to to speak to you both uh, again. Here's to a hundred more. Um, and Postacoglu and ourselves probably on here. We shall catch our audience later on. Please do like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. All the good content will be over on the site too. And we'll we'll catch you uh, next week on the Celtics Are Here flagship podcast. Cheers. <laughs>